most of what people are calling meditation, I would actually call mindfulness. So most of the apps, the YouTube videos, the drop-in studios are teaching what I would call mindfulness, which is very good at dealing with your stress in the now, like a state change. But what Ziva is doing is that it's getting rid of your stress from the past. It's a trait change. It's actually healing you on a cellular level. And it is that eradication of stresses from the past that's ushering you into higher states of cognitive performance. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Quick question. Have you considered meditation for stress reduction or to boost productivity? Or maybe, like me, you didn't even know that meditation could boost productivity. Now, I had originally no idea. I had a very different outlook on what meditation did for the body. Now, if you haven't heard meditation can unlock more energy and productivity, let me share with you why considering it may be the path to your best focus, your best alertness, and productivity yet. One of the greatest benefits of meditation is the ability to become more productive by lowering stress levels in the body. And to me, that is a big time win-win. And that's why I believe that it's a non-negotiable in today's fast-paced world where we are juggling a million things at once. And yes, I know that you are juggling a million things at any given time. Now, up until last fall, 2019, I was very inconsistent with meditation. I would do it anywhere between two to four times per week and definitely began to experience some amazing benefits over the summer last year when I was doing it close to four times per week. But there were definitely days where I still felt unsettled and off. And I began to notice this correlation that the days where I wasn't doing my 15 to 20 minutes of meditation were the days where I felt like my mind was scattered and I was going in too many directions. Honestly, those days, I felt like I was spinning my wheels. And here's the kicker, like many of us, I had access to amazing meditation apps. I have learned the Ziva meditation technique with Emily Fletcher, who was our guest today. And it was the Ziva meditation that I had been committing to those three to four times per week that were making a big difference on those days. So after recognizing this correlation, I finally realized it was time to commit fully. So in October of last year, right before our big EO Hormone Summit, which requires a lot of long nights and late nights for us, I decided to commit to a daily practice and I am so, so grateful that I did because my daily meditations have created more space and more focus for me to get so much more done, but to not feel scattered in the process. I just feel better and I'm experiencing more ease and grace. So it has become a non-negotiable for me, just like green smoothies, working out, seven hours or more of sleep, and obviously essential oils. Those are definitely a non-negotiable. And I love using essential oils with my meditation. Honestly, that combo is more importantly the non-negotiable for me. So given my personal experience, I want to also share a couple of important facts to consider when it comes to feeling stressed and scattered. You know, we've all been there and there are some days where we're super killing it, other days where we just feel like we're completely off our game. And as we all know, stress can absolutely not only wreak havoc on our hormone systems, but also on the way that our brain functions. When our bodies are thrown into fight or flight mode, it keeps us from performing the top of our game. 
And the biggest cost here, your most valuable asset, which is time. Stress doesn't give us a cutting edge, even though I used to believe it did when I was younger and then I landed flat on my face. It actually wastes our energy, it causes fatigue, it creates stubborn belly fat, and even puts us into overwhelm. That is oftentimes manifesting into anxiety. And what I love is that meditation has been shown to be a powerful tool to use for reducing stress levels. And that's what I love most about Emily's teaching is that she takes the woo-woo out of meditation and shows you how to use it to your advantage for greater productivity, which we all want a little bit more of. Before I bring Emily on today, I wanna celebrate you. Every day, and more frequently every single day, I hear from new listeners who are recommended by you. One such listener is Terry Clark. She reached out to me on Facebook about a week or so ago. Here's what Terry had to say. Oh, Marisa, your focus on sugar and the liver this year has inspired me to make big changes in my diet. I honestly didn't know that diabetes was really connected to having liver issues before it became a bigger issue. And I haven't paid a lot of attention to my liver ever. And my doctor just told me I had insulin resistance. I am doing your detox and cutting out sugar for 30 days, and I can't wait to report on my results. I am only five days in, and it has been rough, but truly worth it. Well, thank you so much for your epic win, Terry, and I am so excited to shout you out today. What a big move, and I'm so glad that you're feeling fully supported to support your liver and your body with my detox. If you are listening, Terry, I would love to gift you a signed copy of the EO Hormone Solution book. I've got some awesome liver-loving recipes in there that'll help you along the way, including some craving blends. You'll also get a personal note from me, so just reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Dr. Marisa, and we will get it sent your way. Now, if you are listening, welcome to this episode. In case you're wondering about the episode on how to optimize your liver function, it was at the beginning of this year for episode 154. Now, if you are loving any of these episodes at any time, feel free to shout me out on Instagram, Facebook, or even review this podcast on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you plug into. Getting the word out about women's hormone health, I think is so important and I'm so grateful that you're here and that you're helping to make that possible. Now, let's jump into our amazing conversation with Emily, but before I bring her on, I want to quickly sing her praises. Emily Fletcher is the founder of Ziva Meditation and the creator of Ziva Mind, the world's first online meditation training. Her mission is to make meditation attractive, accessible, and easy to adopt in modern life. Recently, she's been featured in the New York Times, named the top 100 women in wellness to watch, and is regarded as a leading expert in meditation for performance. She is a rock star, and I'm so, so excited for you guys to meet her. Let's bring Emily on. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Emily Fletcher, honey. How are you doing today? I am happier now that I see your beautiful face and hear your beautiful voice. Oh my goodness. I love that we just had a little mini moment to catch up before we got to jump into this beautiful interview with you. Ooh, so much going on. The last time we had you on was right when your brilliant book, Stress Less, Accomplish More, came out. And oh my gosh, what a whirlwind. I get to see the whirlwind play out like on Instagram, on Facebook, minor catching up here and there. 
I just want to hear about what has been your journey since this book literally hit the shelves, hit the stores over a year ago, and how not only it's just transformed your life, but also how it's transformed, we're talking about tens of thousands of people around the world. So thank you for asking that. I felt like we were siblings on that journey because our books came out so close to each other. And it's funny, there was me, you, Todd Herman came out a week after. And I just felt, I really felt like we were siblings, like just birthing these babies into the world simultaneously. And there's such an, a, an affection and a camaraderie, I think, that is born out of that. Um, so yeah, but it's been a wild ride. So I'd say from a selfish point of view, what was most exciting was in the two days after the book came out, we watched it and it was climbing up the charts on Amazon. Like we were at 187 at our book launch and we were celebrating that at the party. And then the next day I was on all these podcasts and my team was holding up signs in the background. They're like, number 18, number 12, number 10. And we're freaking out. And then we got all the way to number seven. And so that was like a pop the champagne, you know, number seven. We were next to Michelle Obama and Marie Kondo. We were like, yes. Uh, so that felt fun. And then, but then the less selfish side of it was, as you said, you know, over 50,000 people have read the book so far. And to hear these reports of people, because to be honest, it was a bit of an experiment. Like when I wrote the book, I, I did teach a gentle version of the Ziva technique inside of it. And there aren't that many books. There's lots of books about meditation. There aren't that many books that are teaching you a technique. And it was an experiment. I didn't know if it was going to work or not. Meditation is so visceral. It's so experiential. And to do that through the written word, through that left brain state of consciousness is a bit of a challenge. And yet it turns out the experiment is working. People's sleep is better. They are stressing less. They are accomplishing more. Their sex drive is up. Their immune systems are stronger. And they're being inspired to really deepen their meditation practice. And that feels incredibly rewarding. Not that it has anything to do with me, but I feel very grateful to be a part of the catalyst, you know, to at least make the tools accessible so people have the opportunity to raise their hand and say, yes, I am ready to commit to my own greatness. I am willing to get out of this stress that is keeping me stuck and step into my full potential. And that is a gift that I'm very grateful for. Mm, you are such a powerful facilitator and you have opened the door for so many people to step into their beautiful life, right? That vision in which they're holding. Cause that's what I think about meditation is just opening the possibility for our, our best life to live our best life. One of my favorite quotes that you say is we meditate to get good at life, not to get good at meditation. And there is an important distinction because a lot of us are caught up in like thinking we have to be good at meditation. And I love, I love your thought process around this. Yeah. Cause it's like, who cares if you're a good meditator? There's so many things you need to be good at in life. You got to be a good partner. You got to be good at your job. You got to be good at the gym. It's like, really, let's stop trying to be good at meditation. Let's stop trying to clear our minds because it's impossible anyway. You know, the mind thinks involuntarily, just like the heart beats involuntarily. So instead of feeling like you're a meditation failure because you can't clear your mind, what if instead we start to gauge our progress by how's my sleep? How's my immune system? How's my happiness? How's my sex drive? How's my productivity, creativity, intuition? These are the markers by which I think we should be gauging whether or not the meditation is working. 
Mm, I absolutely agree with you in so many words. I love that. And, you know, that really speaks to, we're thinking about the people in the world who are really phenomenal at what they do. I know that you've worked with top performers like Emmy performers, Oscar performers, Golden Globe winners, all kinds of amazing high achievers. And what is it? I think I focus it on like, this is, they're not using meditation to be good at meditation. They're using meditation to be good at life. And what do you think? What do you think when these high achievers tap into your technique, what is it that really allows them to soar to their greatest potential? Hmm. Well, I think that the sad reality is that stress is making us stupid, sick, and slow. And a lot of us don't even realize the toll that it's taking on us. For many of us, it's become like white noise. It's just like that TV that's on in the background and we can't even hear it anymore. And it's not until we turn it off, we turn that stress off that we realize how much more capacity we have. And so one of the reasons why I think people come to me at Ziva is that they know that I, I was a performer myself, you know, so because I used to be on Broadway and interestingly, this is a story I don't tell very much, but the last time I ever performed, I took the microphone from Liza Minnelli, I sang, and I handed it to Aretha Franklin. I was sandwiched in between them two. And then Barbara Streisand was the last performer. And so it was like, I'm not unfamiliar with like performing at a very high level. And so I think there's, if your body is your instrument, if you're an athlete, if you're an artist, if you're a dancer, it's like you want to have someone that can understand what that level of pressure is like and that level of needing to perform in the moment. And so I think that's why originally people were drawn to, to me personally as a teacher. But I think the reason why it's spreading is just because the technique works. Like we're making tote bags that just say meditation that works. Because <laughs> it's just so simple. And we're not an app. So it's not, I don't want people being addicted to me. I don't want people being tethered to their phone in order to meditate. It's like going, It's like having an AA meeting in the liquor store. You know, it's like, do you really want to go to your phone for a meditation? So while I do use technology and the book to get the tools in people's hands, ideally, once people either read the book or take one of my trainings, it's like, then you graduate and you have these tools to take with you for life. So I'm really big on self-sufficiency. And I think that's why people love it is they can do it on set. They can do it in their office. They can do it with their kids in the next room on an airplane. And the other thing is that most of what people are calling meditation, I would actually call mindfulness. So most of the apps, the YouTube videos, the drop-in studios are teaching what I would call mindfulness, which is very good at dealing with your stress in the now, like a state change. But what Ziva is doing is that it's getting rid of your stress from the past. It's a trait change. It's actually healing you on a cellular level. And it is that eradication of stresses from the past that's ushering you into higher states of cognitive performance. Because it's not just one stress. It's your parents' divorce. It's the move that you had when you were 10. It's the college you got kicked out of, the job you got fired from, the car wreck you got in. It's all these little stressors or big stressors that have left open windows on your brain computer. And so what meditation is doing is it's going in and closing down all those windows so that you have more of your mental and physical capacity available to you for the task at hand. And that's really where people are seeing the return on investment. And I think that's what high performers are interested in. Like, they're like, if I'm going to surrender 15 minutes of my day, I can't just spend those 15 minutes. I have to be investing those 15 minutes and I have to see an ROI. I need to get more time back. I need to get more productivity because I don't think that any of us have time to spend or time to waste. We can only afford to meditate if it's giving us a net gain after we do it. 
Well, and I know with your technique, you you recommend morning and evening. Could someone get away with just a morning or just an evening? Can we get in where we fit in? Talk to me a little bit about the strategy around uh, meditating for 15 minutes twice a day. And you're absolutely right. Like, And then getting the full benefit of that down the road. Because as a high achiever, both of us being that, I don't think either of us would choose in if it wasn't a, a net gain on the back end. Yeah, totally. So, you know, our mutual friend, Mark Hyman, he says for the few minutes a day that I invest in Ziva, I get back three hours of productivity in my day. That's in a day, not in a week. He's getting three hours extra productivity in a day. And so, yes, of course you can meditate just once a day. And that's certainly better than no times a day. So some meditation is always better than no meditation. And so likely for people hearing this, if they don't understand that ROI concept, if if they can't if they don't have a visceral experience of investing time in something and they're getting more time back, then it might seem incomprehensible. But once you start to see, just like if you, if I bought Amazon stock 10 years ago, I would have a lot more money than I do right now. If I bought Tesla stock a year ago, I would have a lot more money than I do right now. Same thing with meditation. If you invest those few minutes in, you get a lot of time back because your sleep becomes more efficient. Your decision-making is sharper. Your intuition is stronger. You're more creative that stress is not making you as stupid, sick, or slow. So, so there, that gain is, is very real. However, if you don't have that experience yet, I could see where you'd want to negotiate. Well, can I just do it once? Can I just do it 10 minutes? Can I just do it five minutes? But I've taught now 20,000 people to meditate. We've done about 6,000 years of research on this stuff. So like, this is the program. This is the prescription. You know, you're a doctor. It's like your doctor gives you a prescription for 20 milligrams twice a day, you're not going to take 50 milligrams five times a day or 10 milligrams once a day. You're going to take 20 milligrams twice a day. And that's what this prescription is. And so once a day kind of puts you in a maintenance program, you're picking up stress, you're burning off stress, picking up stress, burning off stress, kind of like drinking a Coke and getting on the treadmill. You know, it's just calories in calories out. I don't know if people drink Cokes or get on treadmills anymore, but just go with it. (laughs) I did that once. When I was in high school, I drank a Coke and I looked at the can. It was like 210 calories. And then I ran on the treadmill for 20 minutes and it was 210 calories. And I was like, well, that's dumb. And so I kind of stopped doing both of those things. I mean, not all calories are created equal. However, I totally understand what you're saying. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I get the calories in, calories out is not a good model anymore, but I was in high school. So absolutely. (laughs) 30 years ago. So anyway, once a day is a maintenance program, you know, it's just in and out, but twice a day, it's like you're doing cardio and strength training. You you really start to see you have more energy, your clothes fit better, you're stronger. Like you start to see like, Oh, this is worth it because you're not only getting rid of all the new stresses from the day, but it's the second sitting that allows you to get rid of that backlog from the past, which is really where the cognitive advances happen. Hmm. And I can see how you say if, if people aren't seeing that kind of tipping point for themselves, it's, you know, we're, we're, we've been trained to consider it as a maintenance mode. Let's talk about somebody without meditation for just a second. I know we touched upon it just a little bit, but I just want to spend a little bit of time on, you know, a life in which, you know, where people are just operating in, I always say that, you know, we go into a state of 
perceive stress about 50 times a day, unconscious, you know, and our bodies are constantly just trying to regulate and manage those moments of perceived stress, those survival triggers um, that our stress response system goes into. Talk to me about, you know, the difference between what happens with our body, what happens with our mental capacity, even our brain waves, when we are living a life without meditation, and then when we, br- we can bring in a powerful meditative technique. Yeah. So you're right in that most of us are pretty stressed. You know, Harvard Medical School is saying that stress is responsible for 90% of all doctor's visits. Scientists are calling it the black plague of our century. It can be responsible for anything from heart disease, infertility, autoimmune issues, brain degeneration, breakdown in skin elasticity, IBS, insomnia, like you name it. Like stress is not doing us any favors in the health department. And when people think about meditation, oftentimes they think it's just a mental tool. They think, oh, that's just something for me to relax. Or that's like a cute pedicure that I'll get around to when I have a little extra time. And and I think that people are thinking that because most of what meditation is these days are these free apps where people do it for 10 minutes. They're like, oh yeah, I feel... I feel okay. Like I feel a little better, but they're not really getting like this life change. This like, oh my, it's not like, oh, this stress is dissolving and I am markedly different. And so this is why I'm on a bit of a soapbox here is that one, not all meditation is created equal. They're, they're doing different things to the body. Mindfulness is different than meditation is different from manifesting is different from a walk in the woods, which oftentimes people say to me, well, cooking is my meditation or walking in the woods is my meditation. Nope. That's called cooking and walking in the woods, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> Those are both great activities too, yes, in their they own are right. Great activities. I am not dissing walking in the woods or cooking, but it's not the same. Just please don't call it meditation. Yes, <laughs> and I would define meditation as where you're accessing a verifiable fourth state of consciousness, different than waking, sleeping, or dreaming. And in this fourth state of consciousness, your body is getting rest that's five times deeper than sleep. And we know that because your metabolic rate decreases, your heart rate slows, and your body temperature cools. So basically, you're de-exciting everything in your body. And when you de-excite your nervous system, that, that accumulated stress that we have stored in our cellular memory, that stuff can start to come up and out. And that's sort of the phenomenon of those closing of the windows that I mentioned earlier, that analogy. Really, once we get rid of those stresses in the cells... You, let, you have less baggage. You're less triggered. Um, the thing about stress is that it's, it's accumulating interest. You know, if you had a dog bark in your face when you were five, you know, that's left um, a memory. It was a fight or flight stress response. It's left an open window in your brain, but it's accruing interest, meaning that every single time you see a dog for the rest of your life, there's a tiny little fight or flight. You know, if you had a terrible breakup with your ex-boyfriend and he wore, you know, cologne, that's left an imprint in your body. But every time you smell that cologne, it's like another little re-triggering. So it's not just the event. It's every, it's the accumulation of stress over time. And we're seeing it. We see it in our friends and our family members. You know, if you start a meditation practice and then go back to your 20 year high school reunion, I guarantee you, you're going to look and feel and sound different to your former classmates. We can't just gauge our progress from, well, here's homeostasis, and then the meditation is taking me this much up. Well, we, the math we need to be doing is what is stress costing us? Like really, it's like there's a decline over time that happens to our brains, to our bodies, if we're not taking care of it. And so the gap really becomes more of like, if you're just listening to this, it's, it's not just from horizontal to 45 degrees up, it's from 
45 degrees down to 45 degrees up because again, the stress is a curing interest. Mm. When I think when you're speaking about stress too, we're even talking trauma, embedded trauma, things that have absolutely had an impact on us that we are carrying that is, that is kind of locked into our consciousness, locked into our, our cellular structures. I think stress and trauma are two of those really powerful intangibles that you can't green smoothie your way out of. You can't kale salad your way out of. We've got to have a different strategy in order to go in and kind of, like you said, we were talking about kind of ring out you know, those stressors or those traumas so we can get to a more, not only productive place, but a place of peace and a place of healing. Yes. And interestingly, you know, now that they've decoded the human genome, we're starting to realize that it's not just our own stress. It's the stress that we've inherited for at least two generations. Some people are saying seven. I've only been able to find scientific papers proving that we can inherit stress for two generations, but I've heard seven. Either way, every stress your mom had, every stress your grandmother had. And so if you're African-American, if you're a descendant of slave, if you're a descendant of a Holocaust survivor, you know, that's possible that you're only two generations out of that. And, and that's not a small amount of trauma that we're dealing with. And so some people think, well, oh, I can't meditate. I don't have time. It's too selfish. My kids need me. My partner needs me. My job needs me. It's like, y'all, this is the least selfish thing you can be doing. Your husband wants you happy. Your kids want you happy. Your coworkers want you smart. They do not want you stupid, sick, and slow. And that is what stress is doing to us. And it's like, we have to learn to fill up our own cups first, because the more we fill ourselves up, the more we have to give. And, and just to speak to that ringing out phenomenon, you know, that's my job as a teacher is to help people through that. I've been through it myself. Like I said, I've helped 20,000 people through it. So it doesn't scare me anymore. But that's also like when that catharsis happens, it's when we do need to call on our other tools, essential oils, food, massage, baths, naps, walks, therapy, coaching, you know, anything you need to help move that stuff up. Well, no, the meditation will move it up and out. I'm just mentioning all these other tools as coping mechanisms, supportive so that you don't feel so alone, so that you feel more equipped to move through the catharsis. I'm so glad we brought that to the forefront. You know, for me, as you mentioned, struggling with stress, struggling with trauma, struggling with those intangibles that can have such a profound impact on you, on your relationships, on your work, on, your, on how you affect your community. We think that we're being selfless by, by continuing to just show up, show up, show up and not take care of ourselves. But you're absolutely right. It's the, one of the most selfish things that we can do. So for me, it got to a place where it was absolutely, it was a non-negotiable because I could tell the difference between when I was meditating and what it was doing for me, not only emotionally and physically, but it was really allowing me to show up in a bigger way versus when I was, even if I thought I was managing stress well, how it, there was still permeations of that coming into play. So I, I go so far as to say non-negotiable. It's, it's one of the most powerful things that we can be doing for that level of healing. Yes, 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 yes. From preach it, sister, preach it. <laughs> That's where I stand. I mean, I know so often I, you know, I bring on guests and I, I want to speak from my own personal experience. You know, there was a time where I, where I was like, oh, I don't have time for this, or I have these other techniques, or I have these other strategies in place. And then decided, you know what? No, this is something I need to, to, to try. I need to pursue. And the results, it, it's so hard to speak of it, like, unless, until you've done it. Like once you start doing it, it's one of those things that you just, you can't, 
you have to do because it makes such a profound impact on you. And so I want to just speak, you know, as a, as a Ziva meditator myself, and so, so, so happy to have you on how much of an impact it's had on my life and you know, how much, you know, it's taken me a minute to get my husband on the train. He does a lot more mindfulness work. He does a lot of apps. He, he loves his apps, but moving him in that direction because he's seen how much of an impact it's had on me. Mm, well, I think that this, well, first of all, thank you for saying that. Second of all, thank you for committing. Third of all, I'm so happy that you've seen a shift in how you're able to show up in your work because you're doing such beautiful work in the world. And if I've had if I've had any small role in making and fanning your flame, that feels exciting to me. And I think you're not alone in you being the trailblazer in your relationship. I think a lot of women are the trailblazers in these self-help modalities of therapy and yoga and meditation and essential oils. And so there's a real artistry to staying connected and true to yourself of like, well, this is non-negotiable for me and being perceptive enough to know when and how to introduce these tools to our partners, to our siblings, to our parents, to our coworkers, because, you know, especially when you find something like meditation, at least for me, I was like evangelical. I was like, everyone has to do this. And I want to shout it. Everybody, yeah. everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it's a little rude, you know, like you need to meditate. And people are like, excuse me. It's kind of like recommending a weight loss camp to someone. They're like, pardon me. It's like, you know, and, and so there's a concept called worthy inquiry. And it's basically like, does someone want to know about this? And are they willing to surrender something to access the tools and it could be their time it could be you know a course fee it could be volunteering but like is there some sort of an exchange that they're willing to make in order to get this life-changing practice but as far as that goes at like a cocktail party to me where the inquiry is like you might mention oh yeah i'm doing this even meditation thing and someone's ears are going to perk up and they're going to start asking more questions and they're going to be like wait tell me more and then they're displaying where the inquiry and they're giving you permission to keep talking other people are like, yeah, cool meditation. And they just keep texting. And then there's no worthy inquiry. And then our job is to go have some ice cream or, you know, like just stop talking. And I think it's especially hard when it's our partners or our families or someone that their happiness directly impacts our happiness, you know? And so it's like, but just please try it. And so I've just, I feel you on this. And uh, I wish I had more profound answers of how to, in, well, I do actually have one good piece of advice. And that is, if you want to inspire the people around you to have worthy inquiry, the best thing that we can do is just clean our own house. You know, we just keep clean in our own house, shining brighter and brighter. And then eventually, like you said, your husband's like, wait, what's going on here? Yeah. I want people are like, what's up with that? What you got yeah. that I don't have? Yeah. What's up with that? Do you remember exactly. that SNL sketch? Oh like, my God. What's up with that? I love that SNL sketch. And Jason Sudeikis in his like, running <laughs> suit. So funny. It's one of the, we've watched, we have binge watched those what's up with that episodes. <laughs> and I will say it out of nowhere. I'll be like, what's up with that? And Alex was like, uh, ooh, wee. <laughs> and the running man. Oh, what's up with Jason Sudeikis in a fro. <laughs> what's so up? good. It's so, so good in the track suit. <laughs> yes. oh my, my, when so my director of operations got, is getting her dad a yellow, like a garnet track suit. The what's up with that track suit. 
um, because he's going through a really hard time and he loves that sketch. So he's getting him the tracksuit. That is so perfect. Oh my goodness. It could be like, it could be Beyonce's Ivy Park color. I just went online and it sold out. The whole collection is sold out. out. Yeah, it sold out like in the first 24 hours. Good for her. You go, Beyonce. Go, Beyonce. But you're absolutely right. I remember when I was introducing smoothies to my family, like they were like, they weren't even touching it. They didn't want nothing to do with it. And so I just chip away at doing me, doing all these healthy things. And people always like kind of checking out, looking at what we're doing next. And Alex is always usually, I mean, when it comes to nutrition, we eat the same thing. So he's always on that train. And so it's just, it's just time where Alex is finally jumping on the train But I think you're right. You doing you, you cleaning your own house, you letting people know you are living your best life and and kind of how you're living your best life really opens the door for another kind of conversation. You know, like, well, what are you doing where where you you get to live your best life? And well, this is what I'm doing. So I think we just, the more we just chip away at those conversations, it really begins to open the door for what's possible. And, you know, I cannot tell you how many times Ziva meditation has been mentioned on this show, girl, on other podcasts I've been on where, you know, it comes up and I'm like, well, the kind of technique that I use is Ziva meditation. And, and so it's just, a you know, and I just love how I get to kind of like, do, 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 like mention it here and there because it's, it's, it's always the, that kind of that right time to mention it. It is, it's happening. We're, we're having these conversations. Well, thank you for planting the seeds and thank you for committing. And well, two things that I want to say. One is I love planting the seeds of your work as well. As you, I've alluded, we're working on a kids course right now. Like we're deep in research and development for a kids course. And I'm so excited to include your previous book in there, The Smart Mom's Guide to Essential Oils. And on that same note of where the inquiry, I interviewed my best friend yesterday. Like we interviewed a bunch of experts yesterday to contribute for the a kids course. And my best friend has three kids and all three of them meditate. And she meditates around them. Like I'm a meditation teacher and I've only meditated around my son like once. I mean, he's one and a half and I have the luxury of having a nanny. So I meditate like when she's here. So I don't normally meditate in the room with him, but my, my friend does not have a nanny. She's a full-time mom to three kids and she does meditate with her kids. And I was like, girl, yeah, I need a masterclass. Like I'm going to need all your tips and tricks. Please teach me. And interestingly, she said she has not once ever asked or suggested or, or made her kids meditate all. It was all on them. It was all them coming to her and saying like, what are you doing? I want to learn. I'm interested. And that's because she was doing it around them. So she was modeling the behavior. She was uh, allowing them to be in her sphere when she was doing, which is probably annoying AF, you know, to meditate with like a toddler around is not fun. But then because she would just kind of, you know, like quote unquote, suffer through like a little bit of annoyance, like eventually it became a ritual and eventually they started protecting it for her. And then they came to her with that worthy inquiry, which was one piece that was relevant to our conversation. But another thing that I want to add to that is that an interesting byproduct is that her kids started seeing her regulating her own emotions. And this is kind of speaking to like, I don't have time to meditate. I have kids in a job and whatever, but kids are narcissistic by nature. You know, they have to be to survive. And so they think if mommy's sad, it's my fault. If daddy's angry, I did something to make daddy angry. And so if you're not regulating your own stress, if you're not managing your own emotions, then your kids can't help but take that personally and think that they've done something wrong. And what was fascinating to me is when my students started reporting, well, I'm meditating and my kids are seeing it and they see that when I meditate, I'm happier, I'm less stressed, I have more energy. And then if I miss my meditation, I'm crankier, I'm more tired, I don't have as much energy. And so they see 
they a start to police it for them. Like, mommy, you're mean. Did you meditate today? And they start to see that they're not responsible for their parents' emotions. They're like, oh, that's on you. You didn't practice the tool that you have. So it's not my fault. And I was like, wow, what a beautiful, unexpected byproduct of you meditating, even though you have kids. So I just imagine a lot of folks are, are listening and being like, well, I don't have time to meditate because I have kids. And it's like, look, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Include them in your experience. Tell them that you're doing it. And then in a couple of months, stay tuned because we're going to have a kids course coming at you. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, and I think, you know, it's talking about leaving a legacy what we want for our family and for our children. And clearly we want our children to be, you know, emotionally happy. We want them to be physically and mentally balanced and and really doing the big work in the world that they were put on this earth to do. And when they get to see that modeled and what's possible, many of us struggle with being able to just observe emotions or be able to let stress bounce off of us because we've been living in such a, you know, a stressed state or we've had lots of past traumas that we just haven't dealt with. And being able to bring that in and I mean, being able to have children see that and realize what's possible for them in in helping to support their own emotions or helping to be able to kind of ask themselves, why am I feeling this way? Like, what's going on here? That's such a powerful legacy to be able to live, leave to our families. And it really changes the landscape of of how we manage life and how we, how we rock at life over, over time. Yeah. Let's, let's start rocking at life. Let's see how good it can get. Absolutely. Well, honey, okay. So the book, we know the book's been out for a year, but I believe, is there a book update? Yeah. So it's coming out in paperback real, real soon, which is so exciting. And, and it seems like not a big deal, but honestly, like, as you know, like with a hardcover book, it's like, they're heavy. You can't put that many in your purse. Like with a paperback, it's like, you could bring some to your church group. You could bring them to your office. You can start a book club. Like they're just, they're more accessible, both financially and they're lighter weight. So you can put more in your purse. (laughs) And that's been a fun thing that's been happening. People are um, like starting book clubs, like in their schools in their churches in their offices, because, you know, someone like you, they start and they're like, whoa, this is really having an impact on me. I'd love to like make this tool available to people that I love. So yeah, I'm really excited about the paperback launch. And it's just been, I mean, you probably have some exciting stories to share too about how your life has changed or your company has changed since the book, has, since your book has come out. Oh my gosh, it's been such a whirlwind. It's been such an awesome experience. But I think one of my favorite things, just like you, is hearing about the book clubs or hearing about the the pro like people doing the program together. Like I love it when women are like, "Oh my god, this works!" And all of you are doing it with me. Like I hear that all the time. I was I was connecting with a reader of mine who's like, "Yeah, we're starting your your fourteen day program on the fifteenth of February because we're all doing Valentine's Day first, you know." And and this is before Valentine's Day as we were recording it, and I just loved that. And she was like, yep, I'm making so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And I'm sure she's not making them, but I just love that that is happening. I love books like yours where there is, you know, not only is there the, just an understanding, but also a way in which you, everyone can do it together, you know, and get to, get to teach it. And so I love it when people can take something and they, they've got that beautiful material and they're able to teach it or share it. It's so powerful. And that's why I loved your book from the get go, because not only was there the understanding, but then kind of that, that cue into actually doing it. 
Mm, thank you. Mm-hmm. And I read Marie Forleo released a video a couple of weeks ago, and I'm forgetting the exact number, but it's pretty high. It was like somewhere between like 28 and 48 percent. You're you're more likely to commit to something if you do it with a friend or a buddy. If you have some sort of an account accountability partner, it increases your chance of success like a massive amount. And you know what? And I heard it too. I was listening to her show, and oh my goodness, I it's. I can remember that moment and it is a high, high number. I mean, accountability is everything. Whether you're, you're, you're touching in with your spouse or your partner, you're touching in with a best friend, that there's something to be said about, and really I love gentle accountability and fun accountability. Or even, I love when the kids are checking in with her or you're like, you know, having, I love kids where they're like, did you, did you do your thingy thing? Did you take your supplements today? Like, did you, kids can be also a great level of accountability for us as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, honey, I am so happy. I'm so not only excited about the, the and I agree, I, I'm not going to lie. I love your book as a hard, car, a hard copy, a hard cover, but I am really excited about the paperback because it will be easier to put into and take it on the plane put it in your purse. You know how we, you know, go to the beach You know how we women do. We're just always, I have a book in my purse pretty much all the time. So I totally can relate to that. And I'm just so happy that you are, you are facilitating so many incredible people out there doing this good work in the world. Emily, honey, so proud of you. Well, I love you. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for the work that you're doing in the world. And uh, it feels fun to be on this journey with you. Oh my gosh. Ditto girl. All right. I'll see you soon. Okay. Bye friends. Bye. So are you convinced? I know I am mainly because I've been doing it for the last several months. I know that you're going to love how easy it is to make it a part of your morning ritual. I have experienced such a profound decrease in stress due to my meditation practice that I do in the morning and afternoon. And I know that if you are ready to experience less stress and to boost that productivity, I want you to invite to learn from this master. Emily Fletcher is the go-to girl for helping to boost that productivity. Now, the best way to get started is to check out her book, which is now in paperback, Stress Less and Accomplish More. It'll be in the show notes for episode 168. You can find that on my website or just find it in the show notes here. And I just want to say thank you so much for stopping by and listening in to the Essentially You podcast. You are the inspiration for this podcast every single week. And coming up, I'm switching gears and we're talking about another stressor, and that is environmental toxins and their impact on our body. And there is no one better to offer the most up-to-date research than Laura Adler. I can't wait for us to dive into toxins and what we can do every day to reduce our toxic load. Until then, have an amazing day. Oh,